following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. So last week we began a new series in the letter of 1 John. I'm entitling the service Walking in the Light, and today's sermon I've titled In the Light. It's the best thing I could come up with given the, the content of, of, of the section. And so we've been reading the past couple of weeks, as I mentioned, starting at the beginning all the way down to the sixth verse of chapter two. And, and this week, I hope to be able to cover from verse five of chapter one to, to the end of our reading. Uh, we read, we, I, or I discussed verse five last time as a bit of an introduction to what was going to come next. And so we'll continue uh, from there. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention last time in my introduction to the letter, because uh, we're kind of rushed, and uh, I, I wanted to briefly mention about the purpose of John's writing this letter. So many people say that purpose is found in chapter 5, verse 13, which I'll read for you. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to believers that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, many scholars just stop there and say this is the purpose statement of the letter, that the reason he's writing is to provide what we call assurance, assurance of our salvation, that yes, we believe, how do we know that we're secure in God due to the, our faith in Jesus. And so it sounds like that's what this is all about. And I think that's true, but there's more to it because he continues on the next two verses, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him because he's been talking about having this confidence that we have what he calls eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And all the words seem to jumble over each other. And we're going to talk about this more when we get to chapter 5 in, in some weeks from now. But the, it seems what Paul, Paul, sorry, what John is writing to these believers, and he's, the reason why he's writing to them is he wants them to have a certain confidence in their faith that connects them intimately to the Lord. And there's something about having the assurance that our relationship with God in Jesus is secure. By having that assurance, then our lines of communication with God are are clear. So this is not simply about, um, I, I believe, therefore I'm saved, my eternal future is secure and I could sit back and know that I'm going to be okay after I die. There is that, but there's much more than that because there's something, it seems, in this letter that has disturbed people's relationship with God and one another. And what John is trying to restore to them is a certainty of the relationship with God and Jesus so that our our communication with him is is intimate is is certain is clear 
that we're truly walking with him. And that seems to be a theme all the way through. I've entitled the the series Walking in the Light. What does it really mean to walk with God? Uh, and, it, it, and it's so important to, to understand that we talk about walking with God. That's a that's that's living out our faith. It's not just some kind of compartment of our lives, the the religious part, and then there's these other parts that are disconnected from the religious part. Nor is it that the religious part actually just kind of pervades everything else, and then we just act very religiously about how we live. It's it's more than that. It's it's that. Our lives are to be saturated with the reality of the truth of God and our relationship with God. And um, he wants to be with us in every element of our lives. He wants us to have close contact with him all the time so that his reality is reflected in our life in everything that we do. And this is real living. It's not just... it's. It's not just, you know, some people are believers, some people are not, some people are religious, some people are not. It's not about that. There's a real way to live that we were designed to live by God from the beginning that human beings have been disconnected from. This is why we, what's called, preach the gospel, you know, proclaim the good news about Jesus, not just to get people to believe as if we're kind of filling up numbers of uh, people in our club. No, God has entrusted us with his goodness and his life and the only good and healthy, vibrant, true way to live. And that's what we share with one another. And the reality of that has to start with us. And so something had happened with the community, the broad community that John, uh, who was an, an actual a disciple of Jesus, was with him with the three years of his, of his earthly ministry, and through his travels and his teaching, um, he had these communities that he felt responsible for. And that seems to be who he's writing to. And something had happened that had disrupted their their life, their life with one another and their life with God. And he's trying to help them get back on track and to stay on track with the truth with God. So again, let's look at verse 5. We mentioned it last week, but and we'll lead into the rest here. John writes, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Remember last week I mentioned that I was, I'm surprised at this statement because of course God is light and there's no darkness in God. But the more I thought about this, prayed about it, researched it, realized that actually there's ways that we allow God to be mixed with darkness. And whether it's a strange view of Jesus' forgiveness that ends up tolerating sin in our lives, and, and that can be so, so drenched in a false spirituality, it looks good. Jesus has forgiven everything. Everything's forgiven. Like I, He doesn't count our sins against us, which is true. But then we, we uh, let real serious wrong fester and john is so clear that how, how wrong that really is how destructive that is how could we think that god being light tolerates darkness at all he's not there is no darkness in him he's also not tricky and he, uh, and uh, the way 
uh, sometimes we think of him as mysterious, as if God, you know, God dwells in darkness. And there, there's a sense in which there's aspects of God we can't fully understand, and that's true. And there's things that he does that we'll never really fully understand. That's true. But it's all because of his goodness and his purity, not because there's some kind of sneaky thing in God that he's hiding away from us on purpose. And so let's go on here. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. By John writing this, it implies that there was some serious hypocrisy going on in these communities that he was that he felt responsible towards. That there were people that were walking in darkness and yet claiming they still had fellowship with God. And it can't be done. You could justify it. You could write books about it. But it can't be done. If somebody is walking in darkness while claiming to be in fellowship with God, they're lying and they're not doing truth. That's what practice the truth means. They're not living truth. But if we do walk in the light as he is as he is in the light, and that's important. Remember, this concept of God is light needs to be understood truly that there's no shade, shades of darkness in God. And so our walking in the light needs to reflect how God is truly light. And if we do that, if we do that, then we can have true fellowship with one another. That seems to be one of the themes of, of this letter is broken relationship with others and tension on the relationship with others. And so John is pointing out that the cause of broken fellowship and tension in the fellowship has to do with not truly walking in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. And it's interesting that he talks about cleanses us from sin. Because it also seems that there were some people that thought that sin for the believer should be no issue at all. So he says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So remember, he talks about we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. And part of that is not a denial of sin. It's not a cover up of sin. It's not pretending it doesn't exist. It's being honest with it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, a person who claims to be walking with God in Jesus and yet says sin is not an issue in their lives, they are self-deceived. And the reality, the truth, truth and reality, remember they're the same thing. The reality of God is not in that person. So the inability to be honest about our sin cuts us off from reality. I've been trying to say already, it's not just this kind of religious thing. So denial of the wrongs in our lives, our tendency towards doing wrong, 
those ongoing issues like that. Um, sorry, those ongoing issues, um, our inability to admit that they're there doesn't only cut us off from God in some religious sense, it cuts us off from the reality of life. So today we use the word dysfunctionality, being dysfunctional. If we are not honest about sin, we become, we already are, dysfunctional and we cause all sorts of unnecessary problems in our personal lives and in our relationship and of course with God. We can sing the songs and say the prayers, but if we don't do what it says in the next verse, we're not walking with God. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two core issues or aspects of God revealed in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. In Hebrew, it's there's chesed and staka. His covenant faithfulness, his loyalty to his promises, and staka is his righteousness. He is completely right. He's the definer of what is right. And what is right isn't right because simply God says so. They're right because it's it is right because God is the maker of the whole universe. So when God says this is right and that is wrong, it's not just because he's boss and he whatever he says goes. That's true, but what he says goes because that is the way those things go. And it's wonderful that part of his rightness is in forgiving our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The word just is the same as righteousness. It's about being right. It's rightness. And so when we are honest about our sins, bring them out into the open, we won't take the time here to talk about the various appropriate ways to confess our sins, but you know, historically the church has turned that into this formality when actually it indicates a certain kind of honesty admitting that we're people who blow it and we blow it regularly our unwillingness to admit that to those closest to us to others and to ourselves cuts us off from god and reality but when we confess our sins we admit them we're honest about them god comes through because god's committed to this that our God is a God who forgives sins and it's the right thing for him to do. It doesn't mean our sins don't have consequences. But when we confess even the most horrendous crimes to God, God won't hold that against us. We might have to make compensation, uh, uh, recompense. No, there's a word left me, but you know what it is. We've got to pay back things that we owe to people. We might have to serve time for crimes, but to know that God in heaven won't hold our sins against us is the way he's defined how the universe is to work. And not only will he not hold these things against us, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which all the ways that we're out of whack, the way we're not right with God and each other and ourselves, that 
when we're honest about that, God initiates a process, an ongoing process that brings cleansing to us. But we need to cooperate with that process. And one of the ways we cooperate with that is that we continue to be honest about the ways that we mess up. Now, part of that, of course, is it's not just we do something wrong, confess, do it again, confess, do it again. We we got to get real about that stuff, folks. And we need to deal with some of the uh, our, our the bad habits in our lives, the bad ways we treat one another, and 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 face it because because to confess sin and then treat it as if it's a nothing, we're not really confessing it because we're not taking it seriously. Verse ten: If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this is it. Here's the diagnosis. People who will not admit that they, I'm using the term messing up, and I think you understand what I mean. When we, when we do wrong, when we sin, people who will not admit that are making God a liar, and it's proof that his word is not in us. And anyone watching this live afterwards, that could be rectified in an instant. It's time to get real. Folks, COVID is nothing. And in terms of both as an illness, uh, don't, don't, don't misquote me, let me finish the thought. As a sickness, and what we've seen government doing to try to control the sickness is nothing compared to what is coming. We need to be right with God now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Of course, for you, for all we know, these are your last moments of life on earth. And then it'll be too late. This is serious. We have to stop pretending and get right with God and do it now. Okay. I got a little distracted. I, I monitor. Okay, I see what's happening. I actually monitor uh, these these uh, live services with a separate computer and the, the Zoom turned off, but it looks like it's trying to reconnect. So there could be an internet problem. Hopefully, everything's fine on our end. I'm also, I monitor the YouTube live stream, and that's still going. So that's that's a good sign. So I'm just going to continue and hope for the best. Um, what I'm going to do, anyone interested, I'll explain it later. You're probably going to hear a voice saying. So I put that on now, so I have a backup from this part on, just in case anything gets lost. All right. Okay, so let me buy bearings here. So now we're into into chapter two, and I'm going to take just a few more moments to to wrap up. John writes, "My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin." First of all, he's this is his expression of affection, and his um, his his understanding of the close relationship he has with these communities. That he's writing to and note that his goal is so that they may not sin and let me go on to help explain that so continue on he says but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous so there's this there's there's a, a complex thing going on here 
And it seems a, a lot of people have had trouble and and, and, and historically the way this has been understood has often it's people have been have had a hard time with this. That sin for the believer is an ongoing issue. Therefore, we need to always have an attitude of confession towards God and to others as appropriate. At the same time, oh well, and if we do that, we are forgiven. But as I was trying to say a few moments ago, the fact that there's so much forgiveness for us as God's children, that doesn't give us reason to just keep on sinning. We need to stop sinning. We need to stop doing the wrong things and we need to learn the right things. And it's not just about, a lot of people say, well, as, God, as long as God sees that you're trying. No, we need to take, yes, we need to try, we, but we need to take this seriously. But it's, it's this wonderful complex thing going on. If we are walking with God truly, then we're honest about our sin and we seek to obey him. And as we do that, God helps us to do that. But let's not be surprised when we end up sinning anyway. And then, of course, we go back, then we confess, and so on. And he says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So there's this dynamic that God's provided through Jesus that as we are engaging with him truly and being honest with him truly and not making excuses in dealing with those issues in our lives, Jesus is pleading our case before the throne of God. We have a representative before uh, before the throne of God because Jesus, who is the true righteous one, is standing up on our behalf. But then somebody could, you see how somebody could say, well, if that's true, then we could do whatever we want. No, that's not true. If we have the attitude that we could do whatever we want, then we are not represented before the throne uh, uh, by Jesus. Um, oh, but what are those things that I didn't know about? Yeah, but at that time, you didn't realize. And was God bringing conviction? Like, the, like we want to make things so simplistic when they're not. This, Our relationship with God is a real relationship with the supreme being of the universe. And he wants to communicate to us. He wants us to have, he, that which is a prayer is, and we need to be praying to him. We need to be hearing him and reading his word and dealing with our stuff. And and, and he brings conviction. Well, we, we didn't know about that wrong thing that we did, but now we do. So now we deal with it and we have to go back to that person and apologize. Oh, but I'm so embarrassed. Well, it doesn't matter. I've got to do it anyway. I feel so ashamed. Jesus wants to take away that shame. It's an ongoing thing we do. It's not easy, but it's real and it's wonderful if we would actually walk with God. Verse 2, he's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, we could have a whole talk just in that alone. This word propitiation has been this like scholarly controversial thing. But really what it comes down to is that Jesus is the one through whom forgiveness of sins is made possible for us. And then people trip out over not ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Does this mean the whole world is forgiven? No, that's not what it means. It's that he has provided the forgiveness of sins for everybody who would take advantage of it, which is why we need to share this good news with people. And by this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. We've already talked about that. If if we say we know him, if we say we're walking in the light, then we're going to do the things that he's told us to do. Well, what commandments? The Ten Commandments? The other commandments? The Old Testament? Only the, the, the new commandment he talks about in the Gospel of John? 
Me, we'll talk about that more later. We don't have time now, but really what it comes down to is we need to learn what God is calling us to do. And even if, if you know, if you're someone who thinks that when Jesus talked about the great commandment, loving God, and then the second one's like it, loving your neighbor, and that's all we really have to do, have you ever actually thought about what it means to love God with everything and love our neighbors ourselves? That's actually fulfilling all that God wants us to do unto him and to others. We need and you'll see how this works out here in a second. Whoever says, verse 4, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. So we don't actually do what God, if we're not doing God's will, but claim to know him, again, we're total hypocrites. There's no wiggle room here. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. The way God's love is really seen in the world and seen in our lives is when we truly keep his word, which means to obey him. By this we may know that we are in him, and that's one of the purposes of this letter is so that we have assurance that we really are in, in him. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So however you understand keeping his commandments, John is saying here, if we say we are in him, abide in him, remain in him, dwell in him, live in him, then we ought to walk, which means live, like he did in full obedience to God. Oh, we can't be like Jesus. Well, that's the point. That's why we need to confess our sins. So we confess our sins and we seek to live like Jesus, which is being fully obedient to God all the time in every area of life. Oh, that's so impossible to do. Well, that's why Jesus died for our sins. We need to be honest about that and then get about doing it. But we keep failing. Well, that's okay because if we confess our sins, he forgives us. Then we keep going. I hope, I hope, I hope that makes sense. Let's pray. Our Father, we look to you. We thank you that you have done for us what we cannot have done for ourselves and that you have forgiven us all our sins. And help us at the same time, Lord, to take that seriously in our lives, that in the ways that we still sin before you, that we would be honest before you and others, that we would walk in this cleansing dynamic that your word talks about, that we would remain close to you and that we would hear your voice and walk with you and be a blessing to each other, to you, and to others. Please, Lord. Where this might be difficult to understand, would you please get through to our hearts? Forgive us, Lord, for the ways we've excused our bad behavior. To be honest, often we've been discouraged because there's things in our lives that seems that they still control us. I ask now, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would break those chains and set your people free, that we would walk with you as we should. But thank you that you have provided in your son all that we need for that. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.